Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. If that was truly the ticket for you to get into heaven, how many of you would be left behind this morning? And that's what it takes, folks. It really takes action. All of our children should have been standing here this morning saying that same scripture. All of our adults should be standing here being able to say that scripture. And I don't want to try to make anybody feel bad, but I'm just saying this, you know, the Bible says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And, and I have equated that word knowledge simply meaning not knowing what God has promised you. Not knowing the gifts that God has blessed you with. Not knowing what you are entitled to through what Jesus did on Calvary for you. And that's all we are trying to do is give you a loving, gentle push to say, like the scripture says, we've got to study. Because the Bible says you're supposed to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that if I called you today, you wouldn't be ashamed. Because you've been rightly dividing the word of truth. You've been putting it. Look at how Joshua, the same scripture that we're quoting from, or the book that we're quoting from, Joshua would make a bold statement. He says, as for what? Me and my house. So every parent, I was expecting you to go through these scriptures, two verses, with your children, so that boldly, they could stand and say, thus saith the Lord. How many of you know God is a God of a second chance? Amen. So let's take it. And let's not just see Joshua 1.8, but every week, see your child, see you having gained more, put more in. How many of you know the Holy Ghost cannot bring anything to your remembrance that you don't put in? How many of you remember when I was seven years old? You had no experience with that, did, did you? So you can't tell me anything that happened in my life at seven years old. But if you've had an experience with that, you could start to recall right away. And that's what the Holy Ghost, that's what he's doing. He's saying, when you have this experience with God, I'll bring it back to your remembrance. Because every now and then, all of us are subject to what? Forget. This is why today, later on in the service, we will have communion. And you remember what Jesus said about this sacrament. He said, I want you to what? Remember. God is always about his people remembering. So that we get to this point where it's exciting for us to say, Jesus, I will never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I will never forget what it took to make me free. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and the redeemed of the Lord. Now don't just sit there and say, you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years. 20 years and don't know one scripture? 20 years and don't know one verse? And that's not what he's talking about. And see, this morning I want to jump into something and prior to jumping into it, he's in his big book, 
You know what the month of February is, right? This is a great textbook. This is not just a, a good read. This is literally a textbook. This thing has uh, a lot of uh, various things that you can scan and get even additional history and additional information. And, and you know, I, I don't mind telling people my age. I was born in 1954, and I came through some stuff. I've seen some stuff. I've been through some stuff. I've been denied some stuff. I've been in schools where they didn't want me in the school. I've had stuff done to me that shouldn't be done to a human being. But God has brought me through, you know, when they were singing this song that he's a way maker. And I think that's what the celebration of black history is about, reminding us that how did our parents make it through stuff like that? How did I, my grandparents make it through stuff like that? How did we get from slavery to emancipation? And, and I, I'm not den, uh, fooling myself. We still have a long way to go. There is not liberty and justice for all, not yet. There is much to be done. But I realize this in the number of years that the Lord has blessed me to live. It is not going to come through legislation. I don't even believe it's going to come just through education. This is going to come through revelation. And the revelation is the word of God and how God wants his people to walk this life out. And I believe that if my father, my mother, or my grandparents were able to fully articulate how did they make it over, I believe that they would just try to put it in one simple song. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Helen Baylor, uh, I, I love her version of that song because uh, she, she gets to the point where she said, I tried some stuff, and I got addicted to some stuff, and I was at a place in my life where, you know what, I was about to die, and this is her testimony. Yeah. And she said, but I remember that I had a praying grandmother. I remember that I had somebody who knew Jesus. I remember that there was somebody praying for me. How many of you know prayer is one of the most powerful tools that God has given you? And that's why I'm always amazed that. And it's time for prayer. I look out and I see 15 people. And I go, I hear all these amen, God. But I don't see that action behind that amen. See, it's not about being the loudest amen in the church. It's about being a doer of that word. See, pastor's being hard. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just telling you, I see people perishing, and I realize why they're perishing. We've got to know God. It's urgent that you know God. The times that you're living in is a reflection of the fact that people need to know God. There are too many of us who even say we're Christian, but fear is dominating us. Fear is dominating us. You remember Esther? Esther realized that in order to confront the obstacle, the, the wall, the annihilation of a people, she had to pray. 
You remember what she said to our Uncle Mordecai? She said, I am going to not only pray, but I'm going to fast and pray. And she even challenged him and said, Uncle, can you see if you can find a few people that will do this with me? That's what I'm trying to do, folks. I'm trying to find a few people that will get up and leap up in the morning and pray at 5 o'clock. I'm trying to find a few people that if you can't get up at 5 o'clock, can you get on a line at midday? Can you get on a line in the evening at some point of seven days in a week? When, when I was in Korea, my wife and I, Pat, we were stationed in Korea. We were in the Air Force at the time. And, and, and we had a minister, and I, I, every time he would get up in the pulpit, he would say this. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. And that's why the enemy is able to toss people to and fro. It's not about works. It's not about how many hours you put in behind the computer. It's not about how many things that you uh, 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 wrote this week. It's not about how many calls you made this week. It's about whether you really call on the name of the Lord. When I call on Jesus, <laughs> when you call on Jesus, when we call on Jesus, when God's people call on Jesus, what a powerful, powerful thank you. If you want to find out the author of that book, it's just a, it's really a teaching tool for us. And some of us don't know history. We don't really know it. Some of us don't even know. I always laugh and I always tell people, you know, every time you sit, and then this may not be a very pretty picture, but every time you sit on a stool right. in your bathroom, right. it was an African-American that created that. Yeah. But we never hear that. You didn't hear that in your history book. We tend to say Thomas Edison created the light bulb, but do you know when Thomas Edison got his information from an African-American man? We tend to talk about a, a, a medical facility right up the road from us in Baltimore, and we talk about how successful we have been in terms of putting and trans, uh, 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 taking a heart, doing what we call a heart transplant. The man who created what we call a, a, a pacemaker never got the credit for it because he wasn't a medical doctor, but he advised the medical doctor on how to do the surgery. Literally took a pig's heart and put it in a human being and they live. And so something is wrong and even now, and I, I, I'm here and I'm gonna transfer in just a minute when the Holy Ghost release me. But folks, it's, it's really important for you to know your history. It's really important to know where you come from so you can know that there is no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper. Come on, look at yourself and say, I can be anything that God calls me to be. You can go anywhere that God is telling you you can go. See, I, I don't care. Even in the times when, you know, Jim Crow laws were written so that they could legalize slavery, they could legalize voter uh, uh, suppression, and it still exists today. You, you, you don't realize that sometimes when we were talking about uh, passing legislation for voters' rights, Folks, we're talking about ever since the 1800s, you and I as African Americans really 
don't realize that there is legislation so that you don't vote. There's redistricting so that you don't vote. There is obstacles being set up so that you don't get the count in your vote. And so when February comes, yes, I put an emphasis on black history for my personal, on a personal level. God, show me some things that I don't know. Show me some things that I, I you know, I, I realized that even in my own family, how often uh, my family was robbed of certain things because people took advantage. I always tell you about my dad's books when I looked at my dad's book and said, how in the world did somebody make it with somebody charging them almost 40% interest? Just to get seeds to plant in the ground, to grow the vegetables that he needed to feed his family and make a living. But he made it. Somebody say he's a way maker. And I'm not talking about my daddy. I'm talking about a good, good father. We're talking about a good, good father who my father realized I've got to follow his leading. And how many of you know you need to be led? You need to be led. You need to be led. And, and, and I'm tired. I, I hear expressions, oh, we have in church. We got to get past some of these expressions that I hear sometimes because having church, some of us think that that's pretty much entertainment. It's the way that we sing. It's the way that we dance. It's the way that we do this or do that. But being church is really about being led by the Spirit of God. It's about not leaning to your own understanding on matters, but acknowledging God in what? All of your ways. And how do we acknowledge God? Through the Word. Through the Word. Through the Word. Stand to your feet in just a moment. I just want you to honor God in that way by just standing. You know, we stand for a whole lot of stuff. People stand for football teams. They stand for uh, the national anthem. They stand for, uh, we ought to stand for, for God. And Father, we're standing this day to simply say to you, Lord, we know that having done all the stand, it is you who have caused us to stand. And we stand in honor of you. We stand, Father God, so that we might glorify and magnify you. So Father, right now, we want you to think through our mind. And literally speak through our lips. We want you to translate us out of darkness over into your marvelous light. And we know that the entrance of your word is what gives us this light. And when we get the light, we cannot suppress or put it under a bushel. Your word says that it is intended that it shine. And give light to the entire city. Father, we believe for the salvation of Silver Springs, Maryland. We believe for the salvation of Montgomery County and surrounding counties. And what we refer to uh, acronymically as DMV. We believe for the salvation of our nation, God. But we know, Father, we've got to go tell it. A song that we equate only to Christmas, I think. It's like, go tell it on the mountain. Over on the hill and go tell it everywhere. Father, help us to tell it in our homes. Tell it to our family members. Tell it to our co-workers. Tell it to the community that we live in. Tell it, Father. Because we are not ashamed of this gospel. 
We are not ashamed to be called a child of God. And as children of God, we're going to be led of God, led by his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take your seats. And so, I felt it's very important for us to take a series in the month of February on being led by the Holy Ghost. Let me just start out in saying, you can't be led by someone that you have not yet received. You can't be saved unless you receive Christ. You can't be led by the Spirit of God, the third person in the Trinity. And I, I look and I, I watch people's lives and I, I realize they are okay talking about God, Jehovah. They're probably okay talking about Jesus, the Savior. But it seems to be a subject matter that even preachers don't like to preach on when it comes to the Holy Spirit as the Bible relates it to us. Sometimes we water down this subject matter of the Holy Spirit and we say, well, I, I received the Holy Spirit. I, I, I've accepted Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit came to help you to receive Jesus. In other words, you heard the word, you got faith, and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord moved you into that direction where Jesus became your Lord and Savior. But the scripture clearly, and we're going to go through that today, clearly shows that there is something subsequent to salvation. There are people who say, well, I was saved and I was baptized, and that's good. Because you need to receive Jesus. He says you need to be baptized. But he shows that there is something subsequent to that. And it's the Spirit of God. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at the Word. We're just going to go through the Bible. And, and I'm going to set a foundation. And then we're going to talk about what this process looks like when you are being led by the Holy Ghost. How many of you feel like you are being led by the Holy Ghost? Well, I'm going to affirm that you were. In order to come to church this morning, you had to be led by the Holy Ghost. Because otherwise, you would have been okay laying up in your bed. And even when your flesh was saying, why are we getting up? It's 19 degrees. Look, I got in my car this morning, it says 15. It's like, whoa, wow. 15 degrees. I was about to come out of the house, but my bald head reminded me that you can't come out there without a hat. I ran back in quickly. But it was the Holy Ghost, because otherwise, when I ran back in, I would have said, that's it. I'm not going out there. Too cold. But see, weather, giants, Flood, fire, whatever it is, nothing. The Bible says, what could separate us? And I don't mind throwing in Corona. Because some of you, and I'm not talking to those who are sitting here, but some of you have allowed yourself to get into a stagnant place. And God's trying to get you out because he wants you to know, I'm, the Holy Ghost is never going to take you to a stagnant place. He's going to fire you up. 
He's going to ignite you. I love the theme for our summer camp. We, we, we want to get you ignited. I want to get your children ignited about the things of God. God wants us to really be strong in him and in the power of his might. Let's, let me take you first to Romans chapter 8. And for those of you who are anxious to open that Bible, and it's a good thing, I want you to be eager to open your Bible, but I want you to be eager on Sunday morning. I want you to be eager on Monday morning and Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning. Even when you are not here, you know God is working, and the Word is going to be working mightily in you, and you don't deny yourself that opportunity to get into the Word. Because when you get into the Word, the Word gets into you. You're not really changed until you let the Word change you. So Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at the English Standard Version of this that I would like for them to put on the screen. Uh, and we're going to look at verse number 14, and we're going to go down to verse 16. Okay? Now, I want you to find it in your Bible. I'm not saying that your translation is less of value than the translation I'm using. I just feel like it gives us a, a, a clearer direction or understanding. Because sometimes when I'm reading the King James Version, though I will read many scriptures from it this morning, just some scriptures. And as a matter of fact, we're going to read it in the English Standard Version. And I think I want them to bring it also up in the Amplified Version. I think we need to see both versions of it. Uh, the King James Version, and then we're going to come back in, uh, afterwards and we'll see it in the Amplified Version. So, read, read, read that, what you see on the screen. And those of you at home, just read the version that you do have, those of you who are viewing. For it says, for all... Now, you notice what he's saying. All who are what? Led by the Spirit of God. This is why this subject matter that I'm using as a topic, being led by. So it wasn't something that I just picked up and saw, this is a cute topic to, to, to. no, we are talking scriptural. We are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be, if I could use a word, guided. Holy Spirit is so that you can, he can be your guide. The Holy Spirit, when we read it and look at the, and the scriptures concerning the Spirit, he's always saying to you and I as human beings, we need to yield to the Holy Ghost. Now, those of you who have your driver's license and you've been driving for a while, what happens when you come to a yield sign? What do you slow down for? Can I put it in, these, in this kind of thought for you? The reason that you yield is because you're giving opportunity for someone to get in front of you. You're going in the same direction, but you know that that person has what we say the right of way and that they should be in front of you. 
How many of you know that Jesus is the way? And the Holy Ghost knows that Jesus is the right way for you and I. But you've got to let the Holy Ghost get in front of you. Every decision that you make, Holy Ghost in front of you. Every direction that you're about to take, the Holy Ghost is in front of you. You're not leaning to your own understanding. You're not just going ahead and saying, I'm grown and I'm doing grown people stuff. I don't care how grown you are. You need to yield to the Holy Ghost. I've been saved longer than you've been living, Pastor. Got nothing to do with it. It's about yielding to the Holy Ghost. I've been a preacher. I've been a teacher. I've been a this and I've been a that. Got nothing to do with it. It's about who is allowing the Holy Ghost to leave them. Those are the ones that the Bible says God in heaven is saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's my people. They're not leaning to their own understanding. Everything they, they, that they do, they are acknowledging me. Folks, I'm learning that there's just things that I cannot move on until the Holy Ghost speaks to me. Remember I shared with you uh, uh, back in the day when I did a lot of traveling, probably far too much traveling, and I had gone to a particular region of southern Africa and been there preaching. And I mean, people getting saved, people getting healed, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and yet, when I came back and was traveling back, and I think I was in London when I realized, oh, I am feeling awful. And I share with you, I came back and my immune system was just almost at a collapse stage. Disease was able to come on my body and, and, and for three days blind, literally, because my eyes were swollen shut, couldn't open them. Couldn't see anything. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, you, you're just out there kind of doing stuff now. But you didn't really consult me on that. And this is why I, I, I'm trying to convey to you, there's a lot of us that feel like we can just do stuff. I can just do this. I, I always go back and I look at what God showed me about David. The, the time when David was really, as you might say, hitting it on all cylinders, is the fact that David wouldn't do anything without consulting God. He wouldn't do anything without consulting God. Let, let's move on. I know I said we we're going to go to the Amplified version of it, but let's move on for the sake of time. I want to move on. Go to Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. We will do this in both translations, though. If you have it back there, whoever is on, on, on the system for me today, I'm going to need you to pull that up in both translations. Now, in the King James version of it says, he says, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but carry you in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Somebody says endued with power. Do you know what power is? When, when, when you, you hear this talking about being endued with power, what is power? Let me give you a simple answer. Power is the ability to get the job done. 
That's all it is. It's ability to get the job. Whatever job, whatever task, whatever assignment God gives you, God's going to give you power to get it done. Now, one of the things that he told us he wanted us to do is to be witnesses. Do you know that God gives you the power to get it done? Do you know that God gives you the power to get it done? God says you can lay hands on the sick, not just bring them up here to the altar for the pastor to lay hands on it. He said you can lay hands on the sick and they would recover because God will give you what? The power to get it done. He'll give you the ability to get it done. And a lot of us haven't been led by the Holy Ghost in there. We become traditionalists. We become religious. We become, you know, I, I know I was teaching a concept that parents didn't really fully understand. I said, parents, you ought to be the one that baptized your children. But we're traditional. Oh, baptism's got to be in the church. How many churches did Jesus go in and baptize people? Go through your Bible. Where did he meet them? Oftentimes at the Jordan River. Sometimes at other locations, he would just, look, we're living in a time where you've got to know the word and you've got to know that it's urgent. Folks, I, I've been sharing with you, and, and you've heard perhaps my pain. 31 days have passed in this year, or a little more than 31 days, but let's just take the month of January, 31 days in the month of January. In 31 days, five of my cousins, gone. Only two out of that five older than me. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. You don't know this timeline. And God says, stop living like you don't have to take this serious. That somehow I'll get this later. I'll do this later. Remember the Winans made a song years ago and it said, and, and the song was entitled Tomorrow. And a lot of people, you are, we're putting off things for tomorrow, and God is saying, No, I need you to get this done right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Some of you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and you don't know it. But when we finish the day, you're going to know it. It's a matter of whether you're going to do it. Whether you're going to receive it. A lot of you have received Jesus Christ. A lot of you have been water baptized. But a lot of you have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost because you get stuck there. Ministries are stuck there. Preachers won't preach there. Some have even said, well, that's something that's passed away. In no, it hasn't. That's a misinterpretation of 1 Corinthians. And we'll talk about that too. I'm not going to let anything slide. In this series, God says, you're and other ministers, if you are going to be the remnant in the last day, you're going to have to cover the fullness of the gospel. I can't preach messages that are going to just tickle your ear. And I don't know about you, I don't like anybody tickling my ear. Makes me a little jumpy. Have you ever had somebody come up behind you and tickle your ear and you didn't know that they were tickling your ear and you just go, what in the world? What was that all about? Let's put that up in the, in, in the, in the, in the Amplified Translation if it's not already there. It says, and behold, I will send forth upon you what 
my father has promised. How many of you know he's a promise keeper? A way maker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. That is who you are. And he made a promise. And God is not slack concerning what he promised. Say promised. promised. Say it again. Promise. I know you, sometimes you give me a little promise ring, Valentine's coming up. You give me a little promise necklace. And, and people break promise, but God says, I'm not like people. I don't break promises. Whatever, my yay is a yay, my nay is a nay. Whatever I say, it will come to pass. None of my words will fall to the ground. Look, he said, and behold, that means pay close attention now. Behold. I will send forth upon you what my father has promised. And he told him, remain in the city, Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. How many of you like to be clothed with some power from on high? That's what we're talking about. That's what the scripture is trying to get God's people to do. To get clothed in Christ. And when you're clothed in Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to get some things done that you can't do in your ordinary strength. And you can't do with all of the education. I don't care your Harvard degrees, your Princeton degree, your Yale degrees, or whatever degree that you have will not take you to the degree that God wants you to be until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I need the Holy Ghost this morning. I believe that none of us should try to do anything until we are endued with power from on high. And that's the problem that I keep observing in the body of Christ is that people are trying to do things and they don't really have a direction from God on that matter. How many of you remember the scriptures concerning Jesus? It says, when Jesus got baptized, I'm trying to take you back to this picture, if you can picture it. When Jesus got baptized, how many of you remember the story of Jesus getting baptized? First, there's a forerunner. His name is John. And John sees him from afar. And you remember what he said? John said, behold, just what you just saw in that scripture. Pay close attention. He said, that's the son of God. And he takes away all of the sins of this world. And Jesus comes and he approaches John. John is in the Jordan River. And, and, and Jesus comes and says, John, baptize me. And you know John, like many of us, trying to be humble. And John says, I'm not worthy to do that. He says, I'm not even worthy to unloose the, 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 the you might as well just say shoestrings. He says, I'm not even unworthy, uh, worthy to just take the shoestrings loose on your sandals, Jesus. Jesus says, do this, John. You know what happened? John, I love John. John is obedient. 
I, I pray that all of us will be able to be, that will be our testimony, that people will be able to say, that was an obedient man or woman of God. Whatever God would say to them to do, they would do it. You remember Jesus' mother would say to all of us, whatever he says to do, it wasn't just to the people going to get the pots of water. It's to us today. Whatever he says to do, what? Do it. If you want to get a just do it shirt or a just do it hat, don't make it about Nike. Make it about Jesus. Just do it. Whatever the word says to do, do it. And so what would happen? John would baptize Jesus. And this word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo means to immerse. Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't no sprinkle, baby. That's not sprinkling. Immerse means that you are fully in it. How many of you know that God wants you to be full of the Holy Ghost? Fully immersed in the Spirit so that you can walk in the Spirit. And he said, did not fulfill the lust of your flesh. It's not until you are immersed. Feel. You remember what he was, well, you just read a moment ago? said, I don't want you to go back into the darkness. I don't want you to go back into your evil ways. I don't want you to go back into your sinful habits. How many times, how many of you know people who got saved and you saw them up at the altar, giving their life to Jesus Christ, but then in a short time later you saw them back in all their old sinful ways? You need the Holy Spirit to sustain your Christian life. You will not sustain a Christian life without the help of the Holy Ghost. You can come and you can pretend. You can come and pretend and preach. You can come and pretend and sing. You can come and pretend and play instruments. You can come and pretend and sit out there and shout the hallelujahs. You can come and pretend and jump and leap and, 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 and shout. But without the help of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be just like the apostles. You remember what they were doing? They were going back to their old ways. They were going back to fishing. They were going back to all kinds of other practices other than doing what God told them to do. Go be witnesses. Go be witnesses. But what happens? John immerses Jesus in this water. And the Bible says straightway coming out of. Somebody say out of. Do you know that if you come out up? out of, that means you were down in. Jesus was down in the water. People laugh at me when I do baptism because I hold you in the water for a little while. Because I want to make sure you're down in. Sometimes every now and then they be fighting, trying not to get the hair wet, trying not to get the face wet. Like, you nope, you're going in. You need to be fully immersed. Some of you are saying, look, let me just say this. If there's anybody here today, anybody watching today, anybody listening today, you have not been baptized, you need to sign up and get baptized today. We will set up what we call the baptismal so that you can. It doesn't have to be on Sunday. It doesn't have to even be on any prescribed religious day, but you need to get baptized. Look, Fred Price probably was the most influential person in my life in helping me to understand this. And he made a statement one time, and he said, the first time he got baptized, he said, I don't know, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. I don't know about you, but I didn't have a clue when they baptized me. 
I grew up in the South. I grew up in a little small town. Even our baptismal wasn't inside the church. It was outside the church. It was made of cement. And when we were kids, we thought we would never want to be in there because that's where the frogs were. But somehow they would clean the frogs out. And, and you know, baptism in my little town wasn't done in, but in the month of July. It was always connected with what we call revival. And they'd have a week of preaching. And somehow they would have what we call altar call. And then you would sit in the chair. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. The deacons would bring the chair out. You sit in the chair. And, and I, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but they voted on me. How many of you believe that this should be a candidate for I still didn't have a clue. I just was looking around and hoping that everybody would vote for me. And they did. And on a Wednesday at 12 noon, I will never forget it. It was on a Wednesday at 12 noon with probably a handful of people. And this is why as a church, I don't know if you know, this is one of the most important steps that a person is making in their life. And many Christians as possible should be there to encourage them on. But we don't. If I say we're having a water baptism and we're baptizing two or three people, uh, I ain't going tonight. That's going to be just a waste of my time. Do you know that Ananias could have said going to see Saul in a city on a street called Straight? God, that's a waste of my time. But he went. He laid hand on that man. And you know what happened? Saul, who we now know as Paul, would write two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you know that sometimes just being present helps that person to get rooted and grounded in the direction that God has taken them? When they look around and realize it's being affirmed, it's being confirmed, they get encouraged. To keep going on. And sometimes we don't want to, we don't do enough of the encouragement of our brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's all about us. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus, Jesus. it's all about you. In 2022, stop being selfish. Stop being selfish. And making Christianity all about you. What's in it for me, Pastor? We've got to get past that kind of thinking. That's really stinking thinking. What's in it for me? I don't do Bible study because what's in it for me? I don't do prayer with you, Pastor, because what's in it for me? What about interceding on the behalf of somebody else? What about standing in the gap and helping make up the head for somebody else? And some of you want to continue to say you're leaders in this church and you won't even come to prayer. Won't even call the prayer line. And some of you call yourself leaders and we call you and ask you, would you pray? And you say, no. No, I'm not doing that. You, do you really think that's the mind of Christ? Do you really think that's the heart of God? Oh, I, I get the opportunity to say no to stuff. 
Do you think you really get the opportunity to say no to God? I'm managing my life. That's a problem. You are managing your life, and you are not being led by the Holy Ghost. You think you are in charge. Somebody say, Lord, help me to decrease so that you might increase. Stop trying to do it your way. Anybody know the lyrics to the song, I Surrender All? There's Michael W. Smith, I believe. He has a Latino gentleman who comes in and helps finish up that song, I Surrender All. One of the most beautiful renditions of I Surrender All. But that's what it's all about, folks. It's, it's about a total surrender to God. Say, no longer I. No longer Say it again, no longer I. No longer Say it one more time, no longer I. No longer but you got to take the I out. You really have to learn that the Holy Spirit is going to help you to take the I out of your statements. It's no longer I, but it's who? Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. That's the hope of glory. So Jesus said, you need to listen very carefully. I'm sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. Only one thing that I would say, you remember in that passage of scripture in Luke 24, 49, talked about waiting, and, and I know that there is a religious group that, that speaks a lot about tearing, but folks, the Holy Ghost can come to you right now. See, that tearing, when you read the scripture properly, the tearing was for the fact that Jesus was still in the earth, and they needed to tarry now, so that the helper that he was sending would come. And how many of you know the helper has come? In the Bible, this is why when we look at Acts chapter 2 and we talk about the Holy Ghost coming and it's descending like a what? Like a... Well, he descended like a dove on Jesus. But what happened with us? It says it was like cloven tongues of fire that set upon each one of the head. It was like a mighty rushing wind that came into that room and all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. I pray that all of us will be filled. Uh, let me go back to helping you to see something in terms of uh, how many of you say, I follow Jesus? You follow Jesus? How many of you know that anybody who knows how it should be done, it ought to be Jesus? So when it comes to water baptism, if Jesus was immersed, what should you be? Immersed. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost in Jesus. Remember what happened? He said they saw the Holy Ghost. John saw it like a dove descending upon Jesus. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But see, it's the Holy Ghost. Here's the point that I'm trying to make, folks. Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. You didn't get that, did you? Jesus did not start his earthly ministry until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that this is why so many people are jacked up when it comes to church. Because there are some people trying to lead people who aren't even filled with the Holy Ghost themselves. 
Now, think about this. The Bible says when Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, what did the Spirit of God do with Jesus? If you remember your scripture, it said the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. I, I want to state this because some of you, you don't like wilderness. You like to quote the 23rd Psalm, but if you had to walk through the valleys and the shadows of death, you would say, oh, that's the devil. But do you know that Jesus is taking you to some places, the Holy Spirit will take you to some places so that you can get that course completed. There's nothing else that you're going to be able to do in your life until you finish that course. David, come here for a moment. You're an accountant. Do you remember some of the courses that you took, David? You do. Can you tell us some of the courses that you took? I don't know if I have a mic anywhere around. Uh, ladies, is there a mic that you have that you can give him? Uh, those of you back there on the sound system, can you um, make sure that mic comes forth? Are you listening to me, guys? You've got to be on point back there. Uh, David's got a mic. So, David, tell, tell me some of the courses that you took. Um, I had to take math, accounting, auditing. But, David, can't we just skip math? David, I don't like math. I love math. <laughs> I do too. But I, I, we're making a point. It's all here. Can't we just skip the math part and just go on over and just become an accountant? No, we can't. It's, it's a necessary part of the course. David, can't I just put on a suit and a tie and look the part? Uh, you could, but you wouldn't be able to do many accounting ones. <laughs> Come on, David. The people on the, out there viewing say they want to see you. They, they, they said there's a handsome guy standing over there they couldn't see. So that's you. So what are you telling me, David? I can't skip any of those courses? You cannot skip any of the courses if you want to become an accountant. That's right. Can I fake it till I make it? No. <laughs> Not possible. Daniel, can you come here? That's David's son. Daniel, don't you think I'm a good accountant? Uh, no, not really. Not really? <laughs> I'm glad he told the truth. Why? Why am I not a good accountant? I don't think you took the accounting uh, classes and stuff. Uh, he says... If you haven't taken the accounting classes, but I did, <laughs> you're not likely going to be a good accountant. Your dad and I majored in the same thing. Just God called me to a different profession. Ha. It's good to know you, Pastor. He hung out with me the other day eating pancakes. We didn't get to that conversation. But let's just suppose I hadn't taken courses like that. How many of you would want to fly with a pilot who didn't finish flight training? This couple, right? You, you want to get the first tickets? You don't want to? Hey, I went to some of them. 
How many of you remember, and I, I hate to bring up bad memories, but 9-11 was about that. They, there were people who didn't finish the courses. They really didn't want to learn to fly. They just wanted to learn how to navigate it in one direction, which was in the way of those particular buildings that were attacked. They never went through the portion of how to land the plane. This is why we said it should have been like red lights going off everywhere. And see, and this is the job of the Holy Ghost is to help red lights go off in you. To help you to be able to know to stop. This is not God. Green lights that to help you to know this is God. Move full steam ahead. But some of us don't want to go through the courses. The Holy Spirit led Jesus. Everybody say the Holy Spirit led Jesus. Where? Into the wilderness. And what did Jesus do for 40 days and 40 nights? I can't get people to do it for 40 minutes in seven days of a week. 40 minutes. What's wrong with that picture? Who wants to, who want to be like Jesus? I think we all do. But here's the problem. We want to skip the courses. David became a certified public accountant because he didn't skip any courses. Yinka, I see Yinka back there. Yinka, you, it would have been okay if you didn't have to take the bar exam, right, Yinka? <laughs> Thank you. Give my hand. It, you can't skip. And sometimes the places that you're going, God is taking you there. God's taking you there so that you can learn to lean on him. Remember when Jesus comes out after having that time in that prayer, that personal relationship with God? You remember who comes to meet Jesus right away? The devil. See, the Holy Ghost is trying to get you prepared for things to come. Holy Ghost, this coronavirus didn't, man, that was no surprise to the Holy Ghost. It was just a surprise to you and I and the rest of the world, perhaps. And I find God telling me, son, I just want you to come and learn how to use a very specific gift that I've given you. And I want you to use it more. And I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. I feel like I'm all over the place right now, but I hope you're able to stay with me to the point of understanding that God is trying to get you to start using what he's given you. And he's giving you his spirit. He promised his spirit to every one of us. What I'm also trying to show you is that just because you got saved doesn't mean that you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Go to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts, because uh, uh, some of you just got your head tilted on me when I said that. That you, all, you and, and there are people who will argue with you about this, and I don't get into arguments about the Holy Ghost. It's just too late to tell me that you don't have this experience with God, because it's already happened to me. Amen? Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. I'm going to read it real quick. I've got them in my notes. It says, in the King James Version, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, that you have heard of me. 
For John, what did John do? John truly baptized with water. But you shall be what? Baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, what you need to pull out of this scripture is the fact that he makes clearly two distinctions. One distinction is this. People get baptized in water. But then he says there is something subsequent that should happen in your life too. You should get what? Baptized in the Holy Ghost. So he wasn't denying that they hadn't received Christ. He wasn't denying that they hadn't received the water baptism. But he's saying you now need this in your life as well. Now, let me say this. When, we, when I talk about this subject matter, some of you are going to want to be argumentative with me because you kind of say to me, well, I will, I, I'm saved, Pastor. My mama was saved. My grandmama was saved. My, aunt, my uncle, they were living Christian life, but I guarantee you, if they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost, they were living beneath some of the giftings and the power and the ability to do things. I, I, I say this about my own father. I know for years, for over 70, almost 80 years, he lived beneath it. He just didn't know. Nobody ever taught him. I know for a number of years, decades in my life, I lived beneath what God had promised me because I didn't know. And I was perishing for the lack of that knowledge. We're not saying, I'm not saying that they are not saved. I'm not saying that they're not going to heaven. I'm just saying there was gifting. How many of you would like to get to heaven and find out that God had all of this gifting and power for you that you never used? How many of you, you bought a car, and maybe in that car, all of a sudden, maybe accidentally, you discovered that your car did something that you didn't even know it could do? I, I always think about my wife here when she was driving and, 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 and BMW has these massages in the seat and she turned it on accidentally <laughs> all up the back all through the gluteus maximus I'm trying to be tactful <laughs> We didn't know it. It was designed so that when you're driving, you're having these long drives, when you're, everything, your muscles are getting a little tight, it was designed to kind of relax you, not to the point of putting you to sleep. I think she was driving one of my trucks one time, and she pushed the button, and the pedals came up. You know, the brake. didn't know it. Here's my point. Back to the Bible. Some of you don't know what you have in Christ Jesus. And you're living beneath. You didn't realize that adjustment. It's like some of you, you, you probably have cars that on a hot summer day, I have it in my truck. On a hot summer day, you can start it up before you ever get in it. You can turn the seats on and they'll cool the seats off. You can turn it on on a winter day. I did this morning. 
And then have your, tea, your, your, your little, they call them bun warmers, nice and toasty. Some of you, you have vehicles that in order to release all of the hot air, it would let all four windows down, open the sunroof, and release all of that out. In other words, air conditioning comes on at such a force that it pushes the hot air out. But some of us didn't know it. Here's why. Everybody say the manual. Say it again. The manual. By show of hands, how many of you have gone through your automobile manual? Because most of us think, I know how to drive. I know where the steering wheel is. Those things down there, those are pedals. That little thing in the middle, that's the, the, the gear shift. Right now, they don't even have them in the middle anymore. I think it's upon your dashboard for most of your cars now. How many of you, when you first got a car that didn't even require a key, you could keep the key in your pocket or in your purse, and, and all you have to do is just push a button? And you got in there and said, how oh, I start this thing up? <laughs> because we didn't read the manual. We didn't know what we had. We didn't know the in Christ reality, so you're living sometimes well beneath. And it's all because we don't know enough about the Holy Ghost. Why do you think Jesus would make a statement like, I'm leaving you. I'm going back to be seated at the right hand of the Father, but I'm going to send you a helper. He is referred often as the comforter. But Jesus specifically said helper. Anybody need help in here this morning? I know I need help. But I know I need the leading of the Holy Ghost. I've learned, don't try to do anything until you have been equipped and are being led by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit now is helping Jesus when he is under attack. I know you've been out there fasting 40 days and 40 nights. You are hungry. Do something stupid. That's a paraphrase I'm using. You know what he said. He said, turn the, the stones into bread. But he's going to tell you and I, do something stupid. And he's eventually going to get around to telling you, your life is not worth anything. Why don't you just take your life? You remember what he told Jesus? Jump off. Sometimes he's going to tell you, quit your job. And that ain't the Holy Ghost telling you to quit your job. Tell, tell your supervisor off. No, you tell your supervisor about Jesus through your life. You ain't going to spout off at the mouth. Tell your pastor you through. I ain't going to be a part of this church no more. That ain't the Holy Ghost. That's your emotion. That's your feeling. That's you gotten a little bit ticked off because of something that I preached or said or something I didn't let you do. There are people who came to me and said, Pastor, I think I'm called to preach. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed for over a year and said, God, show me people who are really called to preach. And when the Lord said, this one's not. This one is. This one's not. 
Do you know you have to be really bold to go tell somebody? It's kind of like what I shared with you about Pat and I counseling with a couple. And the Holy Ghost praying over their situation, praying over them. And I said, the Holy Ghost, show us, God, about this man and this woman. And the Lord said, tell them. They're not supposed to be married. I haven't put them together. They're, they're together based on flesh. They both like having sex, and they've been having sex before they even got married. I, I would love to go back to God and say, God, can I go back to sleep and you tell me something different? Because I know how, you understand what I'm saying? You kind of know how people are going to get a little salty with you. And folks, we have been meeting for eight weeks. In other words, once a week, but over the course of time, eight weeks. A lot of money been spent on gowns. A lot of money been spent on flowers. And this is why I always tell people, Please don't ever ask me to counsel you after you done made all your wedding plans, got all your dates on the book, got spent for the gown, spent for the tuxedo, spent for the catering, and then come to me and say, Pastor, we're going to get married in a month or two months, and we need to get our counseling in. You ain't asking me for counseling. You are not asking me for counseling. And the Lord, has, you know, I'm just telling you things that the Lord has spoken to me. He said, don't even go into that with people anymore. Because if they don't really want counseling, don't go through that little 30-day hurry up and get me through this. Because that's not counsel. Because when you're getting the counsel, you want the Holy Ghost to be the lead. You want to get something from God. And, and I'm going to tell you, and it's happened to me just recently, with somebody rush through it. And then you know what they wanted me to do? Bless them getting a divorce in less than a year. And then want to say, well, pastor told me I could get a divorce. Pastor is never going to tell you you can get a divorce unless you can show it scripturally why you should. And most people cannot show me scripturally why they should divorce. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to just describe it like this. It's better and easier to do new construction than to do... See, when you didn't built it all on the wrong foundation, ooh, she hot. Ooh, he fine. Wrong foundation. Oh, he turns me on. Wrong foundation. Equally yoked. Love God more than he loves me. Or than she loves me. Right foundation. But see, a lot of people got the wrong foundation. And now, how many of you have, ever have to see somebody deal with somebody's house that's sinking? Walls cracking. Man, you got to go up under. You got to dig deep up under. You got to jack some stuff up. You got to pour some things in to try to get a solid foundation. But see, a lot of times people don't want the true new. They don't want that counsel. 
They don't want to be led by the Spirit. They want the Spirit just to, you know, Lord, bless what I'm doing. Bless where I'm going. Bless what I've decided to do. Rather than what he's decided that you should do. And I've shared, you know this from the book of, uh, of Acts, where there, there, there was an individual who wanted to go to a particular region of the country. He says, I'm going to preach the gospel. And the Bible said the Holy Ghost forbid him to go. That's not, that's not my highest and best for you at this moment. And folks, when Pat and I knew that we couldn't disobey the Holy Ghost and that we need to tell this couple that they shouldn't get married, what do you think happened? They just hugged us and said, ooh, we love you, Pastor. We love you. We love you. Man. They called me some names that my mom and my daddy ain't never called me. And they got married. And they went on the honeymoon. They got married on a Saturday, stayed in the area overnight Saturday night, and got on a plane on Sunday. And the young man was on a plane on Monday night. On Tuesday, he was in Upper Marlboro doing an annulment. You think I missed it? Or you think they missed it? And this is why I try to tell my associate minister, don't y'all jump into stuff outside of what you know your pastor has laid as a foundation and a, and a boundary. Because sometimes you are wanting to, you don't realize you're aggrandizing yourself. Oh, they want me to do their wedding ceremony. You might want to stay in order in the house of God. Let's do this first. It's not pastor's rule. It's really the leading of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there is safety in what? The multitude of counsel. She's, do you realize I, I had a couple one time, they were going, wanting to get married, and we have people to pull their financial records. Not so that I can see their financial records, but they need to see their credit report. See, sometimes you've just been looking at her and saying, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, I love her. I love her. I love her. I love her. Oh, he's so handsome. God, man. I love him. I love him. I love him. And they brought the credit reports, and I don't want to look at them. But if they don't know how to read them, then I'll help them read and know what the codes stand for. And the young lady discovered that the young man that she was so in love and ready to get married was, he had $80,000 in debt, didn't own a car, didn't own a house, didn't have any money in the bank, but $80,000. Had everybody's credit card all maxed out. You think that might change your mind about getting married? Because you about to inherit a whole lot of debt. We require people to go and get a blood test. Because everybody ain't lived holy. Everybody hadn't understood that the marriage bed is what's undefiled. And yes, we've had people to pop up with AIDS. You think you might want to continue your wedding? You understand where pastor is coming from? He's not just doing something to jerk your chain. You have to understand that what God is trying to say when he says you need to be led by the Holy Ghost, God is not just trying to jerk your chain and have control over your life. He's trying to lead you into a place where the enemy can't kill, steal, and to destroy you. He's trying to take you in a place where he can hide you under the shadow of the Almighty. 
He wants his wings to cover you so that when the fiery darts are coming at you, none of these weapons that are being formed will be able to prosper. Yes, he will lead you through the valleys and the shadows of death. Yes, he will lead you into the wilderness by the Spirit because that's a course you need to take. You can't skip it. Who wants to face a giant? But sometimes that's the course that you need to take. Who wants to be dropped into a fiery furnace? But sometimes that's the course that you need to take. Somebody say, but God is with me. Come on, say it again. But God is with me. Shout it. But God is with me. Because he won't leave you. He won't forsake you. Lo, he will be with you even in the fire, even in the storm, even in whatever the devil throws with you. This is why I'm taking a bold stand. I was talking to someone yesterday. And they said, my church hasn't been open in almost three years now. They didn't know they were talking to a pastor. I just happened to be in a shop, minding my business, buying a gift for Miss Pat. This is Valentine's coming up. Y'all know how that is. <laughs> and her birthday is coming up real soon, too. So I'm maximizing my time. I know the days ahead are going to be busy. Let me maximize my time. Let me go do something. So I'm in the shop, and people are talking. And then the salesperson, they know me. It's a boutique that I like to frequent, and so she knows me by name, and she says, uh, Pastor Drummond, have, have y'all been meeting? I said, we never closed. And the lady looked at me, and she said, what? Y'all never closed? No, we never closed. We didn't have the maximum amount of people every week, but we never closed. Look, we don't even doze. And we never close. Why do you think that I have that kind of confidence? Pastor, aren't you afraid of coronavirus? Not in the least. I'm not talking about being Kadumbo. I'm not talking about SOS being stuck on stupid. Wear a mask. Social distance as much as possible. Try to find out if... I'm running a fever or you're running a fever and that we might need to go and check it out. If somebody has traveled, we would say you might want to make sure that you get a test before you come back. For your benefit, for the benefit of the congregation, but don't be afraid of it. How many of you have been back to work already? Just a few. She said, I always been. I mean, not working at home. I'm talking about back into an environment where you're working around and with other people. A few of you. I mean, if you're still working at home, I'd like to see that number too by show of hands. About half and half, I would say, in this congregation of those that are sitting here. But whether you are being directed to work from home or whether you're being directed to go back into the office, whether our children are being directed to go back into school, or whether they're being directed to, to be virtual. The key thing is that you have to be 
even more in tune with what is the Holy Ghost having me to do if I'm at home? What is the Holy Ghost having me to do if I'm in the workplace? You need to be led by the Holy Spirit because the devil knows when you're at home. The devil knows when you're at school. The devil knows when you're on the job. And don't think because you're at home the devil won't come to your house. Don't think because you moved out into the suburbs that the devil don't know the direction out there. Because a lot of people feel like, well, I move away from the city because there's so much crime there, you know. How many of you know crime follows you out to the suburbs too? You need Jesus. Look at your name and say, you need Jesus. And you need the Holy Ghost. Woo, Jesus. Man, Renee came to church and just been messing with the clock. I know it ain't 1130. <laughs> Let me set some scriptures in place for you. When we were talking about Jesus and his water baptism, I was coming from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. You need these scriptures because I, I believe you're going to have to go back. And so that you can get where I believe the Lord has me now, just immersed in knowing that I've got to follow the Holy Ghost. I cannot lean to my own understanding. I cannot just uh, be a man pleaser. I cannot just listen to the report of men. I must hear the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord is coming by direction of his spirit. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 is where we, I was coming from when I was talking to you about Jesus being led into the, to the wilderness. He was being led into the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Now I want to take you to Acts chapter 8. And I, and I wanted to go through the first eight verses so I'm going to read through them real quickly. And then we're going to come back and, and, and kind of talk about this. Because in these eight verses we're going to see uh, write these three things down. Receiving the word, receiving water baptism, and thirdly, receiving the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about these things being subsequent. You got to receive Jesus, receive the water baptism, and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can come here today and you can receive Jesus. You could also, it might take me a few minutes, but we could fill up the baptismal and you can be baptized today. And guess what? You can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, let me just say this. Can you receive salvation and not get water baptized and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Yes. Yes. But, like the eunuch who talked to Philip, he said, but what forbids me from being baptized? Now, if we had no way to baptize you, then you would say, I couldn't get baptized because at that time, there was no way for me to, to be baptized. But this is why I go back and say, those of you who haven't been baptized, those of you who need to be baptized, those of you who, like me, when Fred Price says, look, I went down as a wet sinner, a dry sinner, and I came back up a wet sinner, I realized immediately, I want to be baptized where I understand what it means. My salvation, I, I, I'm a grown man at the point when I, I decide, I, I make a decision that I want to 
receive Jesus Christ because all I knew up until that time was that you need to go to church, son. Anybody had a daddy like that? A mama like that? You need to go to church. They didn't tell me why I needed to go to church. They said, you need to go to church. Preacher never really told me why I needed to go to church. He said, you need to be in church. And so I felt like I was meeting that need. I felt like I was all right with God. But I needed a, everybody said, I need a personal relationship. Said again, I need a personal relationship. This is why it's so important for your children to understand. You're not just trying to make them come to church. You are trying to help them to be introduced to Jesus Christ. They need a personal relationship with him. You think that's just sticking them on the choir is enough? Not if you don't spend any time. You watch Faith come here with uh, 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 these two young men. Do you know that she spent some time with both of them? Their mom spent some time with both of them going through the Word together? You can't just jump them off on pastor and say, do it, pastor. Get my children right. Not if you ain't doing right. They're spending more time with you than they do with me. And if you're not doing right, if you're not being led by the Holy Ghost, how can they be? Why would they be? How could they be? You've got to follow God. Your children will follow you as you follow God. But if you're following a different path, they're following you. If they see church is lackadaisical with you, guess what? Lackadaisical with them. If they see you okay that Sunday morning, I, we don't need to be in church. I, I got to go play golf. I, 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 we, we, we do basketball. We, we do soccer. We do. Why would your child ever want to have a Sabbath? Because you have taught them that the Sabbath is a day of recreation. A day of play. A day of just fun. It's not a day where you say, we look back over our lives and we're grateful. We're thankful. We're blessed. We're highly favored. God has done exceeding abundantly above what we've asked or even thought. When people were dying all around us, God has kept us alive. When I have driven past five, six or more hospitals and know that all of them are full, so full that they can't having to turn people away. Operating rooms so full that they can't even get to what we call routine surgeries and operations. Somebody say, I'm blessed. blessed. Say it again, I'm blessed. Folks, it's cold outside, and none of you have a coat on this morning. I mean, sitting in here. Why? Because we're blessed. You're not sitting out there, and the wind is whipping, and you're saying, Pastor, hurry up, man, because I'm, I'm freezing. Because we're blessed. If you were thirsty, I guarantee most of you have some type of beverage in your home. You got it in bottles. You got it in your faucet. You got, because you're blessed. You're really blessed. I, I don't know if you know society. Everybody don't have plumbing. Everybody don't have plumbing. Right here in Maryland, everybody don't have plumbing. Two and a half miles outside of Potomac, Maryland, there are people who do not have running water in their homes. You all know where Potomac is, don't you? 
And when I say Potomac, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Wealthy. Mansions. Two and a half miles, just two and a half miles outside of Potomac, where the wealthy, where the mansions are, are people who are still got a hose running from a stream to get water that they put in a bucket and take back. Oh, that's only in other countries. Third world. It's here. I can take you down 301 and show you houses that don't have a bathroom in them. Don't have plumbing. Oh, that's in third world. That's why we go on missions. That's not where you go on missions. Get your neighbor said, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. That's right here. It's just that some of us want to stay in the fog. We don't want to see that it's a reality. It's kind of like when I tell people that I, I try to do this, and, and, and I'm not trying to pick on any culture group, but I, I try to, your experience with a police officer is probably totally different than mine. It's what I tell friends of mine who are white. Your experience, when I get stopped by police, I guarantee you your experience is different than mine. I remember getting stopped in Florida. I was at a school out at a base called Tyndall Air Force Base, which is on the west side of Florida. And I was there for a training class. And I remember driving. I was in the car, and I was the only person of color. And I believe that's the only reason that that police officer let us go, because I was a person of color in the car. Do you think that's true? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I think they saw my experience. Some of you who have subscriptions to Netflix and you saw the Colin Kaepernick story and you saw the depiction of how he is being raised by his parents who are white, but the police officer obviously sees that he's not white, at least that's in his perception, he's not white, and he is giving him the third degree when it comes to his uh, driver's license. When he goes to reach for his driver's license, the guy will go to reach for his gun. It's happened to me three times in police stops. Where your heart gets just thumping and you say, sir, 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 I'm just trying to get my registration. And now I've learned, and this is why I realized I have to talk to young men and tell them, don't do anything that gives anybody any reason to want to pull a gun on it. Even if you feel like it's debasing, and it does feel debasing at times. But sir, may I open my globe compartment? that I might obtain my registration that you are asking me to present. <laughs> you need to go, all you have to do is YouTube and just YouTube black history. And I, I would probably say to you, YouTube a documentary of black history. If you want to know how to walk in somebody else's shoes. How did we make it? Holy Ghost. How did I make it? How did my father make it? I shared with you with my father one time when he was here and he was living, and I saw him, uh, Doug Matthews. How many of you remember a brother by the name of Doug Matthews? He was an associate pastor. He lived down in North Carolina. Doug might be even watching today. And when my father met Doug, I was introducing him for the first time. My father looked down. 
Doug is a real friendly guy, big tall guy, but he's a real friendly guy. He was communicating with my, God, my father, and every time he talked to my father, my father would be looking down. That was one time. That was in that day. The next moment, we were going to a uh, hardware store. At that time, it was a store called John Heckinger's, Heckinger's um, stores. And, and we went to a Heckinger's, and, and the salesperson happened to be white, and, and he's talking to me and my father, and my father's looking down. I'm a respectful son. I wait till I get home. We're comfortable. We're sitting on our deck. And I just said to Dad, in the most respectful way that I know, I said, Dad, there are two occasions today where we were encountering some people, and they happened to be males, they happened to be white. And every time they engage you, Dad, you drop your head and you drop your eyes to the ground. Why? And he said, Son, I didn't even know I was doing it. He says, But when I was growing up, if you looked the white man in the eye, they would slap you down. Read the history. I'm not saying that you need to carry hate. I'm not saying that you need to be retaliatory. I'm not saying that you need to be violent. I think Martin Luther King showed us nonviolence is really the way. But how did he do this nonviolently? I don't know if you know, when you look at the documentary, you're going to see probably some of the civil rights movement. You're going to see, how can you imagine somebody getting a fire hose and the pressure that comes from a fire hose and turning on a human being? I don't know if you know, and this is why I want us to get our children really strong, but in 1963, there was just a march of children. They were all 12 years of old and under. And they still loose the dogs on them. How do you get through that? I believe that Martin Luther King was helping, helping us to understand, but I've seen God. I've seen what God will do if you let God lead you. And God will lead you by his spirit. If you will not, we will not get to the place where we're trying to lean to our own understanding, retaliate in the flesh by God's Spirit. What do you know the Spirit will do? The Spirit will take you the way of love. Anybody, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first thing that pops up in, as a fruit of the Spirit? Love. And what does the Bible say love will do? Melt a multitude of sin. It'll melt a multitude of sin. I can't finish this this morning. I'm setting the foundation. The foundation is to get you to start thinking, are you truly being led by the Spirit of God? And what does that look like for you in your life? And I hope that when we open the Bible, because I took you to Acts chapter 1 and uh, or chapter 8, and I wanted you to look at the first eight verses, but I won't try to preach them right now. But what you're going to find, if you'll go ahead and read, as a matter of fact, you should read the entirety of the 8th chapter. Let me give you two things that you should do this week. If you didn't memorize Joshua 1, 8 and 9, you ought to do it. If you're going to pray this week, the Spirit of the Lord at 3 o'clock on Saturday morning said, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 20. I got up and I started reading Proverbs 20. And then I started writing. I was, you might say I was writing like a madman because 
man, did God reveal some stuff to me in, in Proverbs chapter 20. And it's all related to praying and being led by the Holy Ghost. And so use Proverbs chapter 20 as your foundation for prayer this week. In your personal life, take Proverbs chapter 20, and I guarantee you, you're going to find that you're going to know what to pray about situations that you will face this week. Proverbs 20 will give you answers. Be led by the Holy Ghost. Here's the third thing that I want you to do. Joshua 1.8, Proverbs 20, and now what I just mentioned, Acts chapter 8. And you're going to find what's happening in, in Acts chapter 8 is that there are people who receive Christ. After they receive Christ, some other the apostles go down to meet with them, and they ask them a question. They ask the question, have you received since you believed? You understand what I'm saying here? Have you received since you believed? In other words, they were saying, what action has taken place in your life? You've received, and you're going to find that what they received was the word of grace. You're going to find that what happened in people's lives, the miracles, the healing, all of the other things, came as a result of the word of grace. See, we have gotten to be a people, a church, and churches that have decided that we need to put on some type of Johnny Carson type program to get people stirred up to get people healed no you need to just preach the word of grace and they preached the word people got healed people got delivered people got set free and people got this subsequent thing called the baptism of the Holy Ghost then you're going to get near the end of chapter 8 and you're going to find that there are people who oppose the teaching. Many, they, they use it, they're going to, you're going to see the word divers, which simply means many people were opposing. And what were they opposing? Speaking in other tongues. What are people opposing today when you start talking about the Holy Ghost? Speaking in other tongues. And you're going to find they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in other tongues. But people oppose it. And you're going to find that after two months of trying to convince some people, they realize we need to go on down and just work with the people who want to receive. And then you're going to find they spent two years. That's a long time to go on a meeting, isn't it? And Brother Talib Muhammad's going to be here in the month of March. I'm laughing because I'm talented. If you listen to today, you might be here with us two years. Helping people to get filled with the Holy Ghost because nobody was afraid to teach on the Holy Ghost in that day. Ministers are today. I may rock the boat if I teach on the Holy Ghost. I may rock the boat if I start talking about praying in other tongues. So I think I'll try to explain it away. I think I'll try to take... Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and it says you know if there be knowledge it will cease if there be prophecies it will cease if there be tongues it will cease but then you forget the latter part of that scripture that says when that which is perfect is come these things will cease how many of you know what's perfect 
What are, what are we talking about when that which is perfect is come? We're talking about Lord Jesus. We're talking about, how many of you know you don't need to speak in tongues when Jesus is there? Speaking in tongues is only for you during your earthly journey. When you get to heaven, you won't need to speak in tongues no more. Because that language between you and God. And here's the last thing I want to say, and I think I can close it by this and have communion. Many of you get so twisted about speaking in other tongues. But there are two facets of tongues. There is the gift of tongues, and there's a prayer language of tongues. That's how the Lord showed me yesterday. And I wrote it down. I wrote it parallel beside. He said, some of you, when you hear preachers like myself start preaching on other tongues, you say, well, the Bible says you're supposed to have an interpretation of it. We're talking about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is when you're talking to people. The prayer language of tongues is you talking to God. It's just that simple. If it's the gift of tongue, God is speaking through someone in tongue and an interpretation will come because that is you speaking to man. Your prayer language, though, and speaking in tongues in your prayer language is you speaking to God. Jude, which has just this one chapter, verse 20, says... And when you're doing it, you're building yourself up in your most holy faith. How many of you would like to be built up in your most holy faith? And it's when you pray in tongues. It's when you pray in tongues. And God told me, don't be afraid to preach on this and preach on it for a while, son. And you're going to find pastor preaching on this for a while because we need to be led by the Spirit. So much foolishness in the body of Christ right now. So much things that are causing the people who need to be saved not to be saved because they can't see light even in the church. Because we are so jacked up. We're so dysfunctional with each other because we're not being led by the Holy Ghost. And this is what happened to the church at Corinth. And that's where we're going to get over there one day. And you're going to see a bunch of gifts in that church, but all jacked up. No love. Some of you don't realize that you're getting really kind of mean with people. You're snappy. They ask you a question and you, and they go, Pastor, what's wrong with so-and-so? And I say, I don't know. But the Lord said, you ain't going to be able to say that no more, young man. Is that they are not being led by the Spirit. They're in the flesh. They're not in the Spirit. Because when you're in the Spirit, you're going to approach everybody in love. Pastor, you don't know what my brother did to me. I have a younger brother, boy, he's done some stuff. Done some stuff that, in the natural, I would want to take him out to the woodshed and close the door. But in the spirit, God says, love him all the more. Love him all the more. Pastor, I, see, folks, you need to be equipped with this for this reason. The Holy Ghost is going to help you to pray for some things you don't know how to pray with. You don't know how to pray for it. I don't know how to pray for my younger brother sometimes. And so God has me pray in the Holy Ghost. I know I'm praying for him, but I don't know what I'm praying over him. But I know it's good. I know it's God. I know it's causing me to decrease and for God to increase in that situation. 
It's causing me to get out of my flesh and over into the spirit and to love him like God wants me to love him. Some of you don't know what to pray for concerning your job. The people that you work for or work with, you don't know what to pray. Sometimes your job, I know, is messed up. I know the mistreatment that some of you may be going through, but you aren't going to get that straight until you learn how to be led by the Holy Ghost and pray in the Spirit. Some of you have friends, and they're still supposed to be your friend. But somehow, the relationship went under so much stress that you have actually lost contact. You are actually at physical odds with one another. How many of you know God's a healer? How many of you know that God's a restorer? And there are times where you don't know what to do about that situation. And God says, but if you'll be led by the Spirit, I know how to fix it. How many of you know God can fix what's broken? How, can you, how, how many of you know God can repair what's been breached? He is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. And the light in the darkness, that's who he is. Even when you don't see it, I mean, you know, you're working. That's what the Holy Ghost helps you to do. It's a language that you don't fully understand. Words that you cannot articulate back. All you have to do it with utterance and groanings, the Bible says. And there are times, I love it when I'm able to come in here and I'm here, I get here early. And I can just come to the altar and just, I cry like a baby. I moan and groan because I don't know what to pray. But the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost. And God said, this age that we're in right now, you are going through the valley. And you're going to need the Holy Ghost to help you. Some of you, your marriage is not going to get any better until you just learn how to start praying in the Holy Ghost for the fix that needs to be done. It's not going to come by you accusing. It's not going to come by you insisting that it be done this way or that way. Let it be done God's way. Some of you, the fix that you need with your children, it's not going to come until you learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Jesus spent 40 days out there doing it. He, but he was dealing with the whole world's situation. You're just dealing sometimes with your home, with your job, with your environment. But God said, if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost, I'll show you how to fix it. I will truly fix it. You already have the elements. Folks, things look like on that night when Jesus instituted this sacrament, like everything was about to fall apart. And I know that you're living in a time right now where it looks like everything is falling apart. He's sick, she's sick, they're sick. I shared it with my sisters. I said, look, don't worry. He said, five of us is gone. 31 days and five of us are gone. We're talking about family members. My sister called me the other day. Would you preach the funeral? I said, yeah, I'll preach the funeral. I don't ever, you know, just have these thoughts and I'm going to preach my aunt's funeral, my cousin's funeral, or somebody in my family's funeral. But God said, son, that's why I have you. I have you because I need you to be telling people about Jesus. I need you to be able to tell every generation, we need Jesus. Say, we need Jesus. And Jesus said, 
sometimes we can go through life and we can be, start to become forgetful. We can start to be forgetful. And he said, I want to institute something to help you to remember. He says, this bread represents my body. And when you think about the body, most of us think about the body of Jesus on the cross and nothing wrong with thinking about that. But he says, I want you to think about, look around and say, this is my body. This is the body of Christ. And God wants you to remember one another. God wants you to pray for one another. God doesn't want you to be in strife with one another. God doesn't want you to have these little church fights with one another. God doesn't want a divided group of people. And though I emphasize black history and I think it's a good thing and a great thing and a right thing. But God's not coming back for a black church or a white church or a red church or a yellow church or whatever color we like to call people. God's just coming back for a church without spot, without blemish. And when you can look at your brother and you can look at your sister and not have whatever the prejudice is, and trust me, folks, I grew up and I thought prejudice was the only things that white people did until I got older and realized everybody got prejudice. And I had a few myself. And I had to get cleansed from it. This is what this cup represents. How what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How will I overcome? You know, Martin Luther King used to lead a song. It says, and we shall overcome someday. But the Bible tells me that someday is when you realize that you overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and the words coming out of your mouth testifying about the goodness of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. Those that you're at home, I hope you took heed to what Sister Faith said, that you have your elements, that you've got the bread, and that you're going to join with us. You're not going to just be observing, you're going to be participating. So, Father, we thank you that we are the body of Christ, and we're going to represent. We're going to truly be the ambassadors. And, Lord, we are coming here today and asking you to forgive us of our trespasses, to forgive us of our sin, and to help us to forgive those who have trespassed against us. To help us, Lord God, to be the shining light that we're supposed to be, bringing about your kingdom and your will upon this earth, just like it is in heaven. And so we remember, Father God, that we were once separated. We were all sinners and all had fallen short of the glory of God, but the blood, but the blood. So I'm no better than you, you're no better than me as a people. But we are a better person as children of God. And so, Father, we thank you that we're children of God. We're children of God. And we remember that it wasn't anything that we did that got us into that place. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Take the bread together, giving thanks unto the Lord. This cup represents the blood that was shed. represents love that was poured out poured out in such abundance that whosoever believed on him would not perish but have eternal life. Father, we thank you for our eternal life. We thank you for forgiving us whereby now we can say we're the redeemed. And the redeemed of the Lord, they say so. And so, Father, we say so today. We belong. I belong to you. 
Abba, Father, I belong to you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, take the cup together. Stand to your feet. We were blessed coming in. We are blessed going out now. We say to you who are at home viewing, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are highly favored. Be the blessing that God has called us to be and understand the context of this message. In order to do that, all of us need to be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, the Scripture tells us, and then we will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. Be aware that your flesh will war against the Spirit, but win the war because you walk in the Spirit. Amen? God bless you. God bless you. Go be a blessing in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.